You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast. We are back this week um, with another guest, and we are very honored to have Miss Tony Haskell on with us. But before we introduce her, I'm going to talk about what we talked about last week, which was, if you haven't listened yet, it's a whole podcast called Missions Minded, where me and John really shared stories about being on the mission field. Some were funny, some were serious, but the overall theme of that episode was to really discuss the importance of missions. And we thought, hey, what better way to follow up this episode than to bring on a guest whose entire life, basically has been devoted to mission work. And if there's anybody you want to talk to about getting a heart for missions, it's probably this woman right here sitting across the table from us. So we are very honored and privileged to have you as our guest this week, Miss Tony Haskell. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for caring about missions and caring about the nations. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Anytime. (laughs) God says thank you. He appreciates it because that's his heart. Yeah. That's what we we said last week. You know, when I was at at Rhema, they really ingrained this into us. They said missions is the heartbeat of God. Yes. Yeah. It's the purpose of God to Mm. fill the earth with his glory, right? And so that means fill people with his glory. Wow. I made mention of this. I just want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm just preparing for the last week's podcast. I thought of this as well, that we often talk about getting filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit from Acts 1.8, that you'll be endured with power from on high, and that you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It sounds like a byproduct of getting filled with the Holy Spirit might be to have a greater missional heart. Well, in our lives, you know, here at our local church and talk about the call to missions, talk about my call to missions. Yes, the the move of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and even more than that, um, having an atmosphere of Holy Spirit prayer and listening to God was definitely probably the launching factor in my life. And wow. I know many other missionaries, it's the same. That sounds like a great transition for you to tell us more about yeah. your story. <laughs> well, you know what? And I thought about that too. And that is a really good beginning because um, Jonathan just said, my whole life has been missions. And yes, um, for 23 years, I was basically full-time on the mission field. This is right up until COVID, which kind of changed everybody's life and gave us a reset. But for 23 years, I was on the mission field, but I was, I'm not going to say how old I was when I went (laughs) on the mission field, but I had a whole life before that. Life as a a mom, life as a wife, life as we lived on a ranch, we raised cattle. So I actually have a whole history of life before missions. Mm. And one thing I would like to share, which this may bless somebody, I know it's something you really you really have to think about and consider, because I lost my husband unexpectedly. Actually, it's almost 30 years ago. Mm. And literally, I got the call to missions the day after 
wow. my husband went to heaven. I It happened like this, because I, I had never thought about the nations before. I never thought about the world. In fact, I was pretty timid. In fact, sometimes I still think of myself as timid, although people say, no, you're not, and my life testifies I'm not. <laughs> but I'm saying that because there are a lot of people that maybe feel incapable of doing something, but... Mm. When God gives you a call, when God has a plan for your life, you, yeah. you, nothing can stop you. Yeah. Um, that He gives you that Holy Spirit power to fulfill the wow. call. So anyway, just to, to make a long story short, I went out on a hike. We live in the mountains, as you guys know, here in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And I went out on a hike with two of my girlfriends the day after my, my I lost my husband. They just wanted to get me out of the house. And while we were hiking... Something happened, and I it, to me, it was like a cash register. And later, I heard another minister say he received a call, and it was like a cash register. What I mean like by that, it was ka-ching. Like yeah. where it like opens up? Like, no, no, just like ka-ching. Yeah. What is that? Oh. And I remember th Money. this thought going through my head. What is it's That's weird. It's almost like I'm supposed to be a missionary or something, because wow. it was the world. And it dropped in my heart like a... Like, like a seed, of course, I was going through a really traumatic time, so I didn't think much more about it. But later, when I looked back on my life and how that call developed, that was how I received the call. Now, that may, that's obviously not true for everybody, because every, everybody receives it different ways. But for me, there was something about that event happening in my life that opened yeah. a door to enable me to go into that yeah. calling. You think that might have been God's way of helping you through that time to give you a, a, a greater purpose than just being a mom and a wife, but he's given you a greater purpose now that helped you kind of move past that trauma? Well, yes, except that at the time I didn't know it right. because at the time I just thought, that's weird. What was that? And then later it started to come out in ways like me telling our pastor I wanted to be the mission director mm -hmm. and him telling me, no, you're, you're too busy. You don't have time. I said, <laughs> let me try it and me start to communicate with missionaries, me to finally decide to go to mission school, still thinking. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to really? help our church. Yeah. So when you went to mission school, you weren't planning no. to start Bible school? No. no. You, you thought to... you'd just be a better mission director back at the church? I wanted to take teams. And you and yeah. I were talking a little earlier about the impact of people going on mission trips. So at that time, what I saw mm. was taking people on to nations, you know, you'll be better equipped to lead teams yeah. around the world. But I, like I said, I was a little bit timid. I probably never would have dreamed I would actually move to another country. But I will say this: God would show me stuff that kind of concern concerned that that had to do with that. And yet, you, you sometimes you take what God's showing and you rationalize it in your own limited area of thinking at that time, mm. right? So. Uh, my advice to people concerning the call, just just for what it's worth, extra here, you know, when God tells you something, whether it's through a prophetic word, through the scripture, through a dream, through just him speaking in your heart, try to write down exactly what he says, because if you... Later on, you look back and you're like, oh, God did say that, but it was way too big for me to comprehend at the time. Mm. So I took that word and I minimized it into mm. like what I thought I could do. Yeah. 
misinterpreting it. Yeah. Just yeah. it's it's That's bigger good. than what you write, think. Don't write down. down your interpretation of what that means to you in your current circumstance. Write down just what God said. Well, I would sometimes write my interpretation, but I would say, I think God is saying, and usually it was true that it wasn't the fullness, you know, of what he really was saying. So he has big plans and big thoughts. Yeah. What were, what was the first country that you uh, were called to? Um, Well, actually you went on a number of short, short short-term missions trips before you decided to relocate. You can maybe talk about that and then maybe go into the first country that you well, after mission went school, um, we went as a school on a trip to Thailand. And all I remember about that significant to me was I I came back saying, I just felt like a fish in water, meaning to mm. say I was not uncomfortable. I felt right at home. And I think, you know, for listeners, people who think they might be called to, to missions, that is one indicator because a lot of people will go on a 10-day trip and they have an adventure and they have fun and their heart is completely expanded, I know, to what God's doing. But at the same time, they're really ready to go home on the 10th <laughs> Get day. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, although I, I, I had to go home after 10 days, but I felt very comfortable and at ease. Then the next time we went, we went to Spain and that was with our church. And again, that was um, just a a good trip and a learning experience, but it's a whole different thing when you actually move to a nation. Um, I, yeah, there's so much to say, right? (laughs) I mean, literally the next significant incident in the missions call I had was what I would call a burning bush experience. It was wow. literally, I was in the office by myself and like fire, wind, I, it sounded almost like an audible voice. I don't know if it was. So I don't think everyone has an experience like that. I think people that are timid and afraid to God's step really out. Get your yeah. attention. <laughs> well, oftentimes <laughs> the building on fire. Get your attention. something significant. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it, it was very clear. And yet I still tried to rationalize why, you know, maybe it would be better if I stayed home and, you know, there was more for me to do here. And so um, finally going to the Philippines was where I went. And I went, you know, uh, as a single mom with my youngest son, who was 11 at the time, and my other kids were older and out of school even. So it was a big shock. All I can say is, and and my Filipino friends, forgive me, because I love the Philippines now. It's my second home. But at the time, and even 23 years ago, it was a lot different. And I remember landing in the heat, piles of garbage on the street, the smell. And I just thought, what have I done? I live here. You know, it wow. was, it was culture a, a shock real culture shock. And also, I'll say this, I didn't prepare for it, which is very unwise. But when you're afraid of something, you know, sometimes you don't. Right. Like, basically, it, what I did was close my eyes and jumped. And I jumped right into a different mm. culture. And and it was shocking. But I'll say this, it, it was tremendously rewarding mm. and exciting and fun. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you know, you said you didn't prepare for it. And I think it's funny because there's been times in my own life where I know God's telling me to do something and I don't want to do it. So I purposely don't prepare. So when I get to that point, I, you, God can see like, 
I can be like, God, look how, look how terrible I'm doing. <laughs> Obviously this isn't my calling. And you know, he probably just laughs and, and there and may have well, been he'll some keep of that. you there <laughs> until you do uh, get the, the training that you need. Yeah. There so may have been funny. some of that involved. Cause I, I kind of don't do that now as much. I'm pretty much into preparing now, but back then it was just leap. A, yeah. I, I called it a leap of faith and, and you know, sometimes God requires leaps of faith, but yeah. He always catches us. You know, we're Amen. never really falling without help. I wanted to ask a question and something that I was really moved by when I went on mission trips, short-term mission trips, was first off, the unity of the same spirit, no matter where I went. I may not know the language, but I know the presence of God, and you can just you can receive from the presence of God because you know it's the same body, it's the same spirit. We're all baptized into the same Christ. But I was also moved at what I knew is what I knew here in the United States and the way we did church. But I was so moved by the sincerity and a lot of the pork that was cut out and the heart of the people in different parts of the world for God that convicted me. Mm. You know, I, I think of the rewards I will get in heaven. I mentioned this. And, but then I realized, man, I think there's going to be some very sincere rewards for the church around the world that parts of the United States may not experience yeah. because of the Western culture. Can you touch on some of the sincerity that you've seen and some of the true riches that you've seen around the world that maybe we could learn from in the Western church? Well, and, you know, talking about nations, obviously every nation has a different history as far as Christianity is concerned. When I first went to the Philippines, the Philippines has a deep Catholic background. And so, um, my first thought when I went to the Philippines <laughs> was, why am I even here? I see jeepneys going down <laughs> the street that say, Jesus is Lord, or, you know, praise the Lord. It looks like they all know the Lord. But, of course, I found out pretty quick that... Um, most people knew of the Lord. They knew of mm. Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. And so, um, in the Philippines, the dynamic uh, was more of taking an already religious setting, a, a Catholic background, and people that had a way of doing it. And, and at that point in time, which is 23 years ago, God was like doing a new thing there. He was bringing some teaching. He was stabilizing some things. And so, um, the Philippine environment in the church, yes, it was different because um, Filipinos are are very resilient, and you would go in the villages and you would see people that had you know little to nothing that were happy and thankful for what they had. Right. When I knew Americans that you know didn't appreciate, listen. After 23 years on the mission field, there is not a time that I take a hot shower that I'm not thankful. <laughs> Flushing a toilet, that wow. brings me a lot of joy. I'm like, thank <laughs> you, Lord. Thank you for plumbing. You know, yeah. I mean, these, hey, I lived in the Philippines for 12 years and we, we don't have hot, we never had hot water. Wow. Well, because in the Philippines it's hot all the time, so you don't really need hot water. <laughs> you don't necessarily want a hot shower. <laughs> yeah. But even to wash your dishes and stuff, I used yeah. to boil water, you know, for my dishes. And wow. after a while, you're just, you become Whatever. you become like them, and it's like who cares about hot water in the kitchen? But the church, yeah, it was exciting what God was doing in the church in the Philippines in uh, when would that been the late nineties, early two thousands, and it's grown. What what God was doing has grown tremendously since then. But second nation I went to, 
after 12 years was Nepal. Now that's a whole nother ball game, another story, because Nepal is a Hindu nation, and going there, you find Christians, like you said, that are, they don't really have a tradition. (laughs) Well, actually, when I first went to Nepal, there was some tradition, and it it was not, it was kind of like a form that they had learned from American missionaries. But basically, the move of God in, in Nepal, the church in Nepal, and this is a whole I actually, guys, I have a podcast too. Promote it's, it. It's Come on. Share it. But what is my podcast? <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. I forgot. I, I, I have a book also called It's About Time, and we were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have a podcast, and I'll find out the name and let you know, but it's about my story. And in there, I tell a lot of these details. I have a whole podcast on the Church of Nepal, which I call a symphony of prayer, because that church in Nepal was birthed in the Spirit. It mm-hmm. was birthed by spontaneous, John, outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Pastors who read the Bible in Acts chapter 2 and said, oh, the Bible says God will pour out His Spirit. Let's let's have Him do that. And He did. And I know people who experienced that. And so, the move of God in Nepal was very authentic, almost like the early church. And I think when you went there, you experienced some of that. Yeah. From here to there. From here to there, of course. How could I forget that? I just subscribed. I got sidetracked on time because really time is an issue I focus on a lot. Redeeming the time, making good use of the time. Where are we at in time? But from here to there, the podcast talks about how I got from housewife with five Mm. kids on a ranch to a a woman, single woman directing Bible schools in three nations. And so, um, and it's not just a story of my life, but it's a story of other people's lives because God can do things like that with people who say yes. So, if I'm moving this along too quickly, you can stop me. But in Nepal, you you started a a Bible school called Dunamis, correct? Mm -hmm. And it's really all about equipping local uh, people and pastors to really carry on that mission to their to their communities, and I think there's a really in, important distinguishing factor between short term missions and long term missions. Because um, we just go for a week, and you know, you build a home, you feel good, you pat yourself on the back. But really, I think God's calling you to a people group to train that people group up mm-hmm. so they can recreate what you've instilled in them into others. Because you know, right now you're sitting here with us, you can't be there all the time, so you have to reproduce yourself. Um, in other people and really have them carry on that vision. Was it hard to kind of get that off the ground? Did you feel like anytime you left, it was going to fall apart or how long did it take for that really to get established? And you felt like um, you were replicating what God was telling you to replicate in other people. Okay. And, and I'll get to that in a minute, but can I back up a sec? Yes. I was moving too fast. Well, no, you weren't. But what you said jarred my memory and talking about reproducing ourselves in nations. You know, when I first went to the Philippines, I wanted to do evangelism. I wanted to do crusades. I wanted to see people born again. That was my heart. That's what I saw. But God told me to help this couple that had a Bible school. And literally, I'll be honest with you guys, I thought, Bible school? I am not interested in that at all. I want to be out where the people are. So, the within the first couple months of being in the Philippines, and working with that that Bible school, the director and I were invited 
to do an Easter service at a drug outreach, a drug rehab center. It was a big one. So I did the music, he did the preaching, and we did this Easter service. And the the woman, the director came up to us afterward and she said, thank you so much for coming. Could you come back every Sunday? And I was like, my heart just broke because I'm like, no, we can't. And then I started to realize that if I did everything I could do for the rest of my life, it's only a drop in the bucket of what needs to be done. And I began to see why God called me to the Bible school. And for you guys that think about missions, and I know everyone thinks evangelism is exciting, and it is. But what what you're talking about, John, is somebody has to sustain things. And we can get souls saved, but if there's no church and there's no pastor, or in nations that I've been to where there are pastors, like there are pastors in Nepal in villages called of God that are caring for people But in my view, as a Bible school leader, they are not equipped with a deep knowledge of the Word, um, of of even empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, they lack tools and ability to do the things God has called them to do. And so, that back in the Philippines that day, I realized, you know, what I need to do is teach all these 50 people leaders in the school how to do this stuff because then they can all go out and do it and maybe we can start to make a drop in the bucket Mm. of the thing the people god wants to reach and of course in any given group of bible school students there's all kinds of calls there there's evangelistic there's teaching there's pastoral and even helpers in the church or and business people it goes on and on but equipping people with the tools that they need to be successful so that's my rewind. Okay. Do you want me to go ahead with answering the question you yeah, just posed? About, Nepal. You remember, yeah, just about when did you feel like you were able to step, step away. away and have it continue, um, you know, with the Well, with and the uh, keep in mind that I am a woman and I'm a mom. And so I'm pretty nurturing, I think, more than some leaders. So I probably could have done it quicker, but I... I wanted to make sure that uh, my team felt comfortable. And honestly, to say this, like, okay, when COVID hit, we were, I had already been there like nine years. But let me go back to the beginning, because at the beginning, uh, we had some disciples. We had a little group of people that God had joined us to in that nation, Nepalis. And we could only be there for four months five months a year on a vi- on a visa. tourist visa. Yeah. yeah. So our school would be full-time four months. And then we would have to go away. And then we would generally come back for one month in the eight-month off-season period to be with them. And I remember the first couple of years, we would go back and they would be like little wilted plants, just like <gasps> barely surviving. Nobody wanted you know? the fern. Yeah. <laughs> and so we would come and, you know... Um, we would go and preach in churches, and I remember uh, people coming up to us, more than one, and saying, oh, when you come, it's like, it's like we feel hope. We feel, we feel like a breath of fresh air. And I mm. would tell the people with me, my team, I said, we are carrying a spirit of revival. And listen, we're not, I'm not bragging, because like when God calls you, He will equip you. It's like when we went there, pe- the wind was blowing and people were waking up and it was bringing hope to them. But that's what happened with our disciples. They would be like barely 
breathing and then we would come back and they would revive. I'll never forget, and I'm thinking it was just the second year when we came back and I gathered the team together to say, like, let's pray. And as we sat in that circle, they began praying, singing in the spirit. Um, They had learned how to connect with heaven. And I thought at that time, you know, that's the primary thing, right? If they know this, they'll be okay because they will, they've learned how to trust God and receive from God and respond to God. So that was a marking place, but that was only year two. And then Mm -hmm. we were building, we were building. Mm -hmm. And so building takes a lot of work. Um, I probably, they probably would have been okay after the fifth or sixth year. I began to like um, leave them on their own for periods of time. Like I'd say, you guys can start for two weeks and then I'll come. And and we were still in that process when COVID hit. And honestly, I knew they could do it on their own, but they didn't want, yeah. you know, they'd be like, we need you to come back. You know, when are you coming? So when COVID happened and I couldn't go, they had to pick it up and run with it. And then I found out, hey, you guys, well, they had already started. They went and started a school in Sikkim, India on mm-hmm. their own. Yeah. So I knew they could do it, but. But, you know, I'm like a mom to them, and they wanted me to be there, and I want to be there, too. But but now, you see, it's been two years, and we've had not only main maintenance, but increase, awesome. because they have That's caught the vision, cool. right? That's super encouraging. And so, for that, <laughs> we were able to go to Peru, see? So, now yeah. we're in Peru doing that same thing, um, because the, the disciples yeah. God put around yeah. us in Nepal caught the vision yeah. and are carrying it. That's the and, work of, of an apostle. You go, you establish it and get it running on its own. And then God all of a sudden gives you a new place to, well, to and, do that. And it's leadership, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a pastor in the Philippines that I really respect and he's a missionary. And he told me once something that kind of hurt me because he said, Tony, missionaries are scaffolding. Basically, I'm thinking, okay, so you mean now that I... We built this, you're tearing me down and throwing me in the scrap pile. But that isn't what he meant. What he meant is once you build something, you're going to be dismantled maybe and put in another place to build something else. Mm. So that's a missionary mindset. But let me throw this out there. Sometimes I don't think it's always an American mindset in a church, right? Like a, a lot of times we see... A pastor that, um, or or let me say this: it's a it's a quality of leadership to duplicate yourself and empower others to rise. And sometimes we don't see church growth in America right. because we see one pastor doing everything and never delegating. And so, and we see that on the mission field too. Mm. But mm. but basically, you're not going to be bringing teams to build houses or do evangelism or anything. Unless you have someone in that nation that can sustain yeah. what you're doing. Wow. So it'll have eternal impact. You know, I I heard this a little bit ago, and as you were sharing your story about coming back the second year, the second time, and praying with your leaders and noticing that the most important thing, that they had that connection from God, and they had caught that, that was going to be the thing that would be able to carry them. And it was a minister talking about discipleship. 
in saying that often we see discipleship in terms of mentorship, where, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to have a discipling relationship. You're going to come with me and we're going to meet once a week over coffee at the local cafe, and I'm going to help you through things. And he said, that's great, very important, but I consider that mentorship, mm-hmm. where I really, he was speaking from his understanding, I see discipleship as me helping you to be able to connect to God and follow Jesus. Right. Because discipleship isn't following me at a coffee meeting. It's following Jesus throughout your whole life. Right. And I just thought, wow, I, I think I've misinterpreted that a little bit, you know, wanting to connect to a person and then needing that person all mm-hmm. the time. But I just saw that how you really discipled the nationals in that area to carry it. And you led them to carry that connection. Well, and that doesn't change the relationship, right? I mean, you still have that relationship with them. You have that history with them. You Mm -hmm. have those years and hours of time you've spent with them. But at the same time, um, now you can go and and plant in other people, and so can they. So the kingdom is multiplied. Um, I think that that knowledge, teaching them to connect with God, hear from God, follow God, is the primary thing, because once they know how to do that, um, God will direct them. Now, I have to say this, though. Christians are, there are Christians in nations that don't have Bible training, Mm -hmm. places I want to go, specifically Middle East, places where the church is growing rapidly and there's not enough teaching and training. They still have the Holy Spirit, and they still have Bibles, hopefully. But there is something about mentorship or discipleship from someone who knows more than you that's going to help you to grow faster, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we, we teach with our words. I've heard this said, but we train with our lives. Wow, I like that. So when people can watch your life, like Apostle Paul, right? He he wa- he did what Jesus did. He traveled with people and he modeled. Follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. And so I believe that, you know, in this day, especially with the generation to come, that God wants to connect the fathers to the sons. You know, the last verse of of the Old Testament is like, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and um, so as to not drop what God's doing. Now, we're talking about missions, and we're talking about how in the last, my mission experience, 23 years, I'm telling you guys, tremendous impact has been made. Tremendous. The church is growing rapidly and actually overtaking America and in Asia, in Africa, and so, and even in South America. So, I mean, the church is on fire. But to carry that into the next generation and make sure we don't lose it, there's got to be a generational transfer. And, you know, so that means young people learning or being discipled by the older, and yet, like you said, not to depend on me, but to learn how to hear from God so that you can follow Him. Yeah, I would, I know we're wrapping up with this podcast, but I would like to ask this question because we, we did get really big. We talked about how to be starting a Bible school, then how to leave a Bible school, but maybe if we could roll back time, I don't know how many years, but just let's picture you back before your husband passed away, working on a ranch, raising cattle, attending church, didn't have a mind for missions at that moment, from what I've heard from your story. 
that's the majority of the people listening to this podcast. They're churchgoers right. living their life, having their family, may going, I'm not sure what to do with this. Speak to that person mm-hmm. from somebody who has given their life now after the passing of your husband, the past 23 years, full-time missionary. What would you say to that person on how to approach missions? Knowing it's important, but what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well... First of all, to that person, which is every person, you know, God has a call for everyone. I'm not a believer that there are only certain people, you know, that are called. Everyone has a call. And yet within your call, whether it's to your family or, you know, working in the school or having a business, that may be your call, but it's always God's desire that that we think that we be kingdom minded, that we think of the body and that we understand, guys, that there are places that don't here we have churches on, you know, every corner. Uh, we have so much smorgasbord of the word here that people aren't even hungry. <laughs> and that's what wow. you were talking that, about that's earlier. A good way to say, yeah. Well, you were saying like you perceive this like actual like hunger and honor to the word and the presence of God, because the people, when you're in a Hindu nation and you are surrounded by these, these gods that do not love and that are, are, are frightening. Um, then when you find a place where there is a God who loves you and you can connect with him personally, I mean, that, that is a treasure. And so that's why the gospel spreading in these places, because people need to know Jesus. So, for the average churchgoer, you know, I just, I pray for you and I ask the Lord to stir you because I was, I told you, I had no heart for yeah. the world and God put that heart in me. I believe God can put that heart in you. If you ask him and you say, Lord, show me, show me your view of the world, show me your heart for the world. And part of it is helped by listening to messages like this, um, listening to people who have been there and going on a trip, like you said, will really open a person's eyes. And so uh, we pray for you guys that um, you'd begin to just ask God to give you his heart for the nations. And I also ask you to, if you feel a call to the nations, you know, what do you do? Well, you can begin by praying for the nation God gives you or the missionary that you know. You can also begin by sowing, partnering, because yeah. mm-hmm. where your treasure is, your heart is. And yeah. even if it's just a little amount, if you connect with someone with your giving, it's going to connect your heart. Yeah. And so, and third, go. Very so good. it's pray and it's sow and it's go. Pray, sow, go. Yeah. Pray, so and go. sow and grow. So, what Let's if somebody wants to go? They go, but they have no idea where to start. Resources, tools, how they get connected. Because I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit too, because I talked about you know the difference between long term and short term mission trip. Short term mission trip still has tremendous value, but every time we've gone on a short term mission trip, we've always been connected with a ministry that's mm-hmm. already established. Because you say we get someone saved, yay, awesome! But then that person gets connected to something that's already established there. Mm-hmm. But how do people find? Say someone comes up to you and goes, I don't really know where, but I want to go on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. How do you lead them in the well, right direction? You want to find, hopefully, your maybe your church is offering trips. I will say this about our ministry, Dunamis International, is that we've hosted a lot of church teams, but we are actually poised. We were poised right before COVID, and we're getting back to it to try to organize at least four trips a year. And there are other ministries that do this. Um, you, which you can find because 
there is a need. I remember being like what I say, all dressed up with nowhere to go. Like I had the passion for missions. I had the call for missions. I had the desire, but no connections. Well, fast forward 25 years and I have not only zillions of connections, but people, we have graduates doing things in all these places. So we would like to begin to connect people with those graduates because we're connectors. So it, ministries like ours might be uh, offering trips. We're thinking about offering one um, this fall to Peru, and we hope to be able to do more. Again, um, I would also encourage you, if you have like a missions prayer group at your church or missionaries that come to your church, follow them, get their newsletters, because a lot of missionaries offer options like that. A lot of mission groups offer options. I think that it's a great idea for everyone to go out of the country and and see what God's doing. It's going to enlarge your heart. Yes. Amen. Totally agree. So um, can I share one more thing while I'm here? Um, We also just just in case anyone's interested, we are moving our Bible school forward with it to an online format so that we can connect with people in this country oh, cool. or maybe in, it happened during COVID that our Nepal school went online and we began to train Nepalis in the Middle East that were there working. So like I said, we didn't get smaller, we got bigger because we had Nepalis in Saudi, uh, Saudi in UAE, in Israel. So with that in mind, we started thinking hybrid programs where we can be in person and be online. And so if anyone is interested in Bible school, you can Look up our ministry. It's Dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S, and the website's dunamisworld.org, and we'll uh, get you connected with us so that in September, when we start this online program, it might be an option for you. It'll be something, um, you know, a few hours a week and something that can train you and help you find your call and activate you, hopefully, always with a view to the world. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're at the end of our podcast, but we don't like to leave it uh, until we do something that we like to call wisdom of the day. And it's basically just each one of us oops, shares maybe a key takeaway um, from the podcast that they're going to apply and encourage the listeners to apply um, in their lives. It's the wisdom of the day. Um, you don't have to go first. Usually me and John will go first and then we can give you a minute to gather your thoughts. I'll start off. Uh, I think if anyone has ears to hear in this podcast, they heard a lot, not just about missions, but how to follow God's personal call in their life. And I love that you have a testimony and you share your testimony. And some of it is very supernatural in the way it happened. I mean, a husband passing away the very next day, cha-ching, register <laughs> opens, picture of the world. Later on, burning bush, wind, fire. But... I don't want the hearers to miss what you said after that. In wisdom and humility, you said, this is what happened to me. It doesn't happen to everyone in this way. And that is something that needs to be shared. When I share my story, someday you listener, when you share your story, because it's so natural, we just said this, to mentor, to want to follow people instead of their faith and the voice of God, that I would go, okay, when I hear a register, I'm going to go and do Mm. something. But that cuts got so much out of what God wants to do in speaking to me. So I'm thankful that you shared, this mm-hmm. is the way I receive from God, 
But God's going to share in different ways. Just be mm. open to hear. So we follow people's faith, not their example. Yeah. And that may seem way off topic, but I really no. appreciated that. Well, and if we look in the Bible, there are so many ways people heard from God. And so do a little research on it and yeah. you'll find out that, you know, God's speaking to you. Yeah. Um, my wisdom of the day is um, something you said when you were talking about when you knew that uh, the students and the teachers in your Bible school could really carry it without you being there. And it was when you came back and you were going to pray and you said that they all connected just instantly to heaven and and just had an amazing time of prayer. You guys are praying in the spirit and you're thinking, if they can at least do that, then I know that they'll be all right. And I just really like that, you know, when we talk about being qualified for ministry and qualified and people think, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, I don't know enough. Um, well, the main thing is being able to connect with the heart of God. And if you can do that, then you can get some vision, you can get some direction. And God, that's how God downloads everything to you. If you can connect to his heart, he'll give you the tools, he'll equip you. So we're always running around trying to get the best training and da 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 da, da all, whatever it is. But yeah. if I can connect with his heart and get in prayer in the spirit, then I know I'll be all right. That's awesome. Mm hmm. And there's something that our pastor said a, a couple of months ago that impacted me, which is, God's empowerment is upon your yes. And so when yeah. you have that relationship and God says something and you say yes, that's oh. where your power comes from. Mm -hmm. and that, that's my <laughs> takeaway is that um, I, I, I call um, sort of the story of my life from powerless to powerful. And mm -hmm. I call it that because when I first was called, I didn't feel like I could do anything, but I've seen that the grace of God and the empowerment of God is upon the yes. And so my, you know, last minute wrap up or takeaway would be don't limit God. Don't try to put God in your own thinking of what you can do, mm -hmm. but open yourself up to hear and follow and believe that God's going to do extraordinary things through you. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, um, mm -hmm. How does it go? My God is able to do. Exceeding abundantly above and beyond what you could ask, hope, think, or even dream, yeah. according to the power of the Spirit working in you. And so, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, listen, He is speaking to you, and respond and believe that He can do great things through you. Power. I don't think I'm unusual, really. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just a person who said who yes. said yes. <laughs> Powerless to power. Ooh, that might be the title. Yeah, that's good. I like Just it. Just say yes. I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. we'll think about it. But that was awesome. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom and, and your story about missions. And we like to end the podcast by usually giving our guest an opportunity to kind of pray us out. If okay. you'd like to pray us out, we'd be honored. Sure. Well, Father, we thank you for your heart for the world, and, and we thank you for your, your Holy Spirit that empowers us and for your word that guides and directs us. I pray for each one listening to this podcast, Lord, that, that you will uh, reveal to them the next steps in their journey and their calling. And I thank you, Father, that 
you will prompt them with with dreams and thoughts of the world and and the big vision that you have to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of your son Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord for what you're doing in the world. Thank you for the church worldwide. We see a church uh, arising and shining even in the darkness and I know we're going to see that more and more as we walk forward in this time that we're in. It's a critical time, a strategic time and I thank you Lord that each one listening has a specific a role in bringing your will to pass in their own uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even unto the ends of the earth. So thank you for leading and guiding us and for being with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you again, Miss Tony, and for everyone who's listening. Uh, amazing testimony of God's power, powerless to powerful of yeah. a widowed woman becoming a launcher of Bible schools and influencing the nations. And just take a second to think if he could do that through Tony, what can he do through us? So again, thank you. Uh, I encourage you like this uh, podcast, rate it, review it. And most of all, share it with somebody who needs to hear it today. And we'll be back next week on the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jay.